Hello and welcome to Thriving in Intersectionality, a podcast created to help you learn from professionals in the workplace who have multiple intersectional identities, from ethnic minorities, veterans transitioning into the workforce, individuals with disabilities, parents, and so many more. My name is Lola Adeyemo. I am the CEO of EQI Mindset and the founder of the nonprofit Immigrants Incorporate Inc. I work with organizations to build inclusive workplaces. This podcast was built to amplify the voices of leaders and immigrants in the corporate workplace and to give insights and guidance so people can move past their barriers and advance in their professional careers. Through interviews and solo episodes, I'm going to examine this global world of work. I know that you can learn a thing or two from my guests who have a range of experiences and stories to share. Join me as we meet new people who are successfully navigating the corporate space. Hello and welcome to the Thriving in Intersectionality podcast. My guest today is Yolanda Stanton. Yolanda has had a wealth of experience culturally, personally, and career-wise. She's a seasoned HR leader with over 15 years of experience. She was the first D&I business partner at Gusto and built the team from the ground up. She provided leadership coaching, and guidance at every level in the organization by driving a collaborative intersectional approach. Prior to Gusto, Yolanda led the talent acquisition programs for Uber and HP Inc. She was also instrumental in building the Global Diversity, Inclusion, and Belonging Foundation and Strategy at LinkedIn. She's currently in transition and looking to bring her DEI expertise to another organization to make an impact. We had a great conversation around intersectionality, introversion, and just all of the insights that she brings from our world of experience. Thank you for listening. Hello, and welcome to the Thriving in Intersectionality podcast. I'm here with Yolanda Stanton today, and we're going to have a good conversation uh, around this topic, especially since it's Women History Month. Happy Women History Month, everyone. <laughs> nice to be here with you, Yolanda. Thanks so much for having me, Lola. So excited to be here. Thank you. All right, let's uh, dive right in. So let's get to meet you. Uh, we, we, we have your bio, we have your background, but who is Yolanda? If you want to share a little bit about your background. Yeah, I would be happy to. Thanks so much. So my name is Yolanda. I prefer, my preferred pronouns are she, her. I like to peep, like to let people know that I grew up in Hong Kong. So my dad was an expat and he worked for Bank America. So I lived in Hong Kong for six years. I think it's a melting pot of cultures in a lot of ways. That's kind of influenced who I am. My career in DNI started back in the days and at LinkedIn, I was the first hire for their diversity, inclusion, and belonging team as an HR program manager. And I ran two different women's programs. One is the women ERG called Women at LinkedIn. And the other one is a functional initiative for sales called Women's Initiative. And that's around driving more women leadership representation to director and above levels. And I would say that the rest is history. That's very much kind of driven by my passion in terms of really in the DNI space. And I've really never looked back. 
in my previous role at Gasto, I was uh, wearing triple hats. I was running and leading our diversity inclusion business partner, was also a business partner for our engineering product design and data science teams. And the third is our my biggest passion, which is I worked with all nine of our affiliate groups or employee resource groups. Currently, I'm actually in transition looking for my next career and really making an impact in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space. So if you all know of any opportunities, please feel free to reach out to me. Thank you. Thank you, Yolanda. Nice to have you here. So did you, you were born in the U.S., but you said you spent some time in Hong Kong? Actually, I was born in Taiwan, so I can oh. give just consolidated version, but I'll give you a quick run through. So I was born in Taiwan. I moved to the U.S. when I was five, was here for two and a half years, back to Taiwan, then to Hong Kong for six years, and then back to the U.S. again, senior year of high school. So quite a bit of back and forth. Oh, there. wow. <laughs> so so career-wise, where did you start your work experience? In my very first job out of UC Davis was working at a place called Score Educational Centers. Okay. Um, they were a subsidiary of Kaplan. So my role was as an assistant director and helping kind of run the education center, doing the operation, the sales, like all of the different aspects of running an education center. Okay. Okay. So it was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But your, your, your career entry was in the U.S.? Yes, correct. Okay. Okay. So how, how was that? I mean, I'm just curious. Did the experience traveling, growing up in different places, did that show up in when you started work at all in any way? Yeah, like I said, I think in a lot of ways, I got a lot of different experiences meeting people with from like different backgrounds and different cultures. And I think that's really kind of influenced who I am in terms of my career and what my kind of where my passion lies. Like when I was talking about my first role at LinkedIn, like the reason why I think I really kind of gravitated toward the roles that I love the kind of aspect of really making sure that all people are can be successful regardless of their background. So, you know, I think when people think of diversity, the first thing they think of is like a gender or race, but of course those are important, but there's so many more nuances and intersectional aspects or identities for folks. And really I want to make sure like when we think about companies, this sounds like a cliche, but really to me, a good company needs good people. So how can you make sure you have a really good culture overall that you're supportive and that you can make sure that people can thrive regardless of what background they come from? Yeah, that's that's definitely important. So it's Women History Month and the theme for Women History Month 2023 is Embrace Equity. Mm -hmm. And I was just, you know, wondering if you have, uh, based on your experience and uh, your work experience, as well as your background, um, do you have anything to share around what embrace equity means to you? Personally? Yeah, I, I love this question. I love the theme because I think a lot of people kind of don't specifically appreciate the nuance between like equity and equality, for example. So equity to me is that we're meeting communities where they are, ensuring that they're providing the right resources and the right support to ensure that there are equal outcomes at the end, right? right. So I believe that equity really also furthermore means that we're really taking a stance, act, taking an active stance against racial injustices and equities, challenging the status of like um, the status quo, not in just the corporate environment, but all the environments that we're in. So for example, one of the things I like to talk about a lot is like as a society, I think we have a pretty monolithic idea of what leadership looks like. And let's be honest, that looks like a male, you know, white male extroverted leader. So how do we really challenge ourselves in 
thinking about like, you know, what does true leadership look like? For example, I think a lot of times when they talk about leadership, they think about, you know, executive presence. But what does that really mean? Like, what does executive presence mean, right? So how do we challenge our own biases and ourselves to do better? And as a former diversity inclusion business partner, one of my roles is thinking about like, are we equitable as a company when we're looking at hiring, progression, engagement, and retention? I see a lot of companies out there talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Unfortunately, one of my big pet peeves is when I work with leaders, a lot of times they like to go with the hiring. They're like, oh, how do we bring folks in from you know non-traditional backgrounds? And that is important, granted, but I also think it's super important to have that same intentionality when you bring, bring people in. How do you onboard people? How do you engage people? How do you retain people? I think there's that whole puzzle. Otherwise, if you're bringing in people from underrepresented backgrounds, but you're losing them in the back end, then you're really not making any traction or progress. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's always the first call um, is the hiring. When you start talking about diversity, equity, inclusion, or oh, we got to bring in IMO people that look like this, that look like that, you know, again, we're still focusing on look, we're still mm-hmm. focusing on one aspect. What about the people that we already have within the organization? And and that's one of the reasons why I am really passionate about employee resource group from all angles, right? Yes. Um, because I think it can be very powerful if companies really understand the value and, and everybody's understanding has to be different, right? When it comes to employee resource group, if you have an ex- executive leader, you have a different role to play. If you are in HR or talent acquisition, there's a different role to play. If you are an employee, you know, who just want to participate, there, there's a there's a way for you to really leverage this group. So um, so I guess entry into corporate corporate space, we, we can talk about that then. What was your background and, and what... Um, I guess prior to joining DEI, or was that was that your first career entry point? And then we we'll talk about ERG, your ERG experience exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes, Lola. So I actually my entry point into DEI, I mentioned this earlier, was at LinkedIn. So I joined as a project manager for the HR PMO team. And for some reason, stars aligned and there was a position open in terms of helping manage the two different women's programs I mentioned earlier. So the women at LinkedIn, as well as the women's initiative. And and that's a sales function initiative and driving more representation to director above and above positions. As I mentioned, my entry to LinkedIn, where I worked with all the different employee resource groups, I fell into ERG since day one. I really think that employee resource groups play a huge role in terms of fostering both community and connections for employees. And from the day one, when a new employee joins, the group is able to kind of create that psychological safety and that community for that employee. So ultimately, this really can make a tremendous impact to a company, both from an engagement as well as retention standpoint. Uh, absolutely. So do you, when you, one of the challenges I had with um, employee resource groups, well, maybe as I got more connected is feeling like, oh, I resonate with this group. I resonate with this group. I resonate with that group. <laughs> Did you get that feeling like, which one should I join? Oh and my then... God. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I always joke because I love employee resource groups so much. So both my role at LinkedIn and Gusto, I felt like 
in a way I was like oh these are all my kids it's like the equal love and I'm like I feel like I have friends from all across the different groups but I like that's how I thrive and really love my role is because really double downing on the intersectionality so where are the connection points between all the groups and how can we have the groups all come together and really support each other um, you know, one of the things like the sayings I love is called, um, it says like the rising tide lifts all boats. And I truly believe that for employee resource groups, instead of having all our groups work with silos, how do we make sure they can all come together and really support each other? So in fact, both at Lincoln and Gusto, when I, you know, ran the uh, employee resource group summit, we had a theme of superheroes. So the idea is that each group by themselves are very strong but when they come together, they're even stronger together. So we have the superhero theme of just having your little capes and, you know, just kind of really playing up that theme. Cause really, again, I've seen really the groups thrive when they come together and collaborate and partner. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that topic of intersectionality is one that is really, um, we continue to advocate for ARGs now is, is so much easier when we can collaborate now. I think the, the concern is always like, oh, we don't want to water down what we are doing. Um, and so, yes, each ERG will still have their clear vision. Uh, and I think bridging this gap is really more for the DEI team and then whoever is placed in an ERG management role, similar to the role you have, is that, that has been a gap. Traditionally, companies will have the ERGs just running themselves. Mm-hmm. And then there's a DEI leader, maybe or maybe not right? It's hard to think about intersectionality because it becomes more like a competition and each ERG is trying to outdo so that, you know, I can support my group. Uh, but when, as companies begin to understand the, the work that it involves to run ERGs, now we are having ERG manager roles created as a full-time job. And I, I think this person can really help to hone in on that intersectionality because this is somebody that is well-versed in diversity, equity, inclusion. This is somebody that has to be able to support all of the ERGs, whether or not you're traditionally a part of that group, whatever the group is. Absolutely. I think it's a really key role. So for example, Augusta, we introduced the Heritage Month calendar, right? So for each month of the year, we have designated each group or having one employee resource group kind of own that month so for example we're in the month of february and that's where our black with gusto you know led all the efforts related to black history month and then ahead of course for march we have international women's history month and we have women with gusto leading but that means that all of the focus and energy is on that group but all the other fan groups and play resource group are there to support and really help collaborate we did a lot of different focused events around intersectionality. So, for example, we hosted Lex Gillette, and now Lex Gillette's a blind Paralympic athlete at Gusto, and that was a collaboration between AVID, which is Awareness of Visible and Invisible Disabilities, and Black with Gusto. We've had discussions, for example, around social media and mental health, where it's a collaboration between our Women with Gusto group, our Parents with Gusto group, as well as the AVID Awareness of Visible and Invisible Disabilities. And then the one thing that I really enjoyed, well, again, my time with Gusto, we had a discussion where we had our Parents with Gusto group and Pride come together and co-hosted a session about, as a parent, how do you support your kids coming out? So again, we had all these events where just different groups came together and had these collaboration opportunities and really showcase just for each individual, each person's not just one identity, there's so many different identities and how can we all really come together and support each other? 
Absolutely. Yeah, I love it. Um, and I like all of the initiatives that you're talking about. Is This is, you know, part of the reason why I have the cross-company employee resource group uh, meeting every once a month. We, we come together every first Friday of the month. And these are some of the things we talk about because people ask questions on program ideas. And, and I think the number one way is just to break that silo between the ERGs. Um, because once you listen to the other group, you listen to the other person, you can find um, a collaboration opportunity. You can find an opportunity to support an initiative. You can lift each other up, uh, not necessarily putting the burden on, on that group during a, a certain month. Yeah, absolutely. And it's part of the planning summit. You know, I had our acclaimed group leaders do almost like a Russian roulette, if you will. Like we had little musical chairs where I'll put together, okay, we have our Asians group, our uh, veterans group, and our Black with Gusto. And then we'll put them in another group of uh, another uh, cohort of groups together and just have them work together, meet and talk about different topics. Like where can we intersect? Where are some of the partnership opportunities? And that really worked well for our folks. Yeah. Yeah. Because we, we all grow too. I mean, the fact that, um, employee group, employee resource group leaders raise up their hand and say, I want to take a leadership role. It doesn't mean that we know it all. Even for those of us doing, uh, work around diversity, equity, inclusion space, this is how we learn, right? Um, we, the more time we spend with each other, the more we listen to the other group, uh, the more we learn. Cause naturally, um, I think workplaces, and even our homes, right? We grow up in communities that are similar to us. We're surrounded by, you know, yes, our families absolutely. and people mm -hmm. that love us and people that look like us for the most part, right? And then we go into the workplace, we find out not a lot of people look like us. <laughs> and then we try to form these silos. So the danger with employee resource group and the argument we, we see people giving is that, well, employee resource group is creating a silo for, for people um, I think there's the room for that. There's the role for the affinity, right? The employee resource group should be a place where employees uh, learn to feel that belonging, learn to let their guard down. Uh, but then this is where innovation comes, right? Because you also learn about other groups that maybe you were not exposed to. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's really the role of allyship, right? What you're speaking to is really, and it's upon us to educate ourselves and other communities. Right. Like, one of the things I would share is that, you know, I've learned tremendously and grow myself together as a DEI leader every day. Like, I know that you could probably agree with me, even being in DEI, there's so many learning opportunities and you keep learning every day as an ally. So yeah. I worked quite closely with our pride community at, at Gusto as an example, and there were numerous attacks on the transgender community over the years. So what is it that's upon me, incumbent upon me to learn how can I be kind of an active ally and really support that community? Exactly. Absolutely. Yep. We're always learning. We have to always be learning um, uh, in this space and and it would impact the way the, the work we do in our day job. You know, it's not something we can separate. The fact that you're active in ERGs and you learn all these things when you show up in your day to day projects and teamwork, it's going to show up Absolutely. Um, because of the learning. So what's your favorite part of being 
part of the ERG community? I think you kind of talked about it already. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love everything about ERGs. I think, you know, I do have my bias because it's like, you know, my my passion really. Um, but I, I love, you know, so at, at Gusto, we kind of had this 4C model that we followed by Dr. Robert Rodriguez. We had everything, you know, centered around the 4C strategy. So looking at career, community, culture, and commerce. And I think, you know, one of the things I like to think about is, when you think about companies and play research groups, unfortunately, a lot of leaders and companies think of ERGs as like extracurricular or a little club or nice to have. But I think it's always good to kind of really remind and educate and really make that business case, especially when we think about commerce. Like, what are some of the things that ERGs could do to really think about, you know, delivering like a business value proposition, right? So as I was thinking about my career at LinkedIn, one of the things that we did is we delivered these kind of how do you rock your LinkedIn profile and delivered at the Professional Businesswoman California Conference. So really targeting like as a woman leader, how do you showcase your own skills? How do you make sure you have a compelling value? So like the woman with Gusto, or sorry, woman with Gusto, women at LinkedIn group help create the content for that rock your profile session. So I think it's always good idea to think like how can your ERGs help your business value proposition as well. Exactly, exactly. No, there's, there's definitely multiple aspects of that um, or whatever framework you employ and the ERGs have to be continue, uh, have to continue to evolve and, and uh, do more uh, as they grow. So if there's one thing you will change about your ERG experience, though, I mean, you've had an extensive um, run with, with ERGs at, at uh, some really great spaces, right? If there's one thing you would change in terms of feedback, um, what, what would that be? One thing that I would change. Oh, that's a hard one. <laughs> that's a really difficult one. Or maybe one thing that if you have an opportunity to to make a change for the ERGs, mm-hmm. what is the biggest one? Which one is like a priority for you? Yeah, you know, and I, I think we talked about it, but I'll double down on something else too, which I think is, you know, again, going back to the idea of making sure that ERGs are not really operating in silos. Um, because the other thing is when you think about the intersectionality, when you think about cross collaboration, that's where you have the opportunity to really make your events and programming that much more visible within the organization. Um, another thing that I would just say caution for ERG leaders as they think about their groups is think about ways that they're spending their money and funds. And that is to say, like, I think it's always important to think about, like, what your vision is, like, what your mission statement is. What are those things that you want to impact and how are you going to measure it? Because what you don't want to do is these grassroots organization, again, when leaders have the perception of ERGs being these, like, extracurricular clubs, if you're really only just throwing out happy hours and hey, I like drinking as much as anyone else. But it's like, if you're only doing those things, just thinking about like, what is the return on impact? Like, how are you spending your money and what what's the ROI and how are you measuring kind of the metrics for success for your ERGs? So I think that's just one of the things is these, I know it's really hard to measure the impact of what you do as ERGs, but I do think it's really important to start every year and have that annual planning process and think about the metrics that you want to hit for your organization yeah absolutely no and and the topic of metrics it's been hard because a lot of it has been manual because a lot of things are evolving i think there's a lot of you know tech opportunities coming up now around around support for erg that really takes metrics 
um, as, as, a, as a very important aspect of it. So um, we, we have a lot of room to grow with that because a lot of the things we're doing with ERGs, especially when we talk about large companies, it is hard to measure that and see the direct line. Uh, but we have, we have to build it into our systems if it's going to go beyond one person, right? You don't, one person shouldn't leave the company and then your ERG falls apart. You should have a larger plan that is not based on an individual or two, right? Yeah, and I think there needs to be, you know, good succession place in, in okay. place, right? Because I know a lot of companies have ERG leadership positions as a little bit of more voluntary, and we all know people have their day jobs. So when do they do commit to an ERG leadership position? What does that look like? I mean, I know we have limited time today, so I will not go down this whole rabbit hole, but I think, you know, it's like, do you have people, what's that application process? What is the onboarding process? How do you make sure you have a strong succession plan or succession right. bench for ERG leadership? I think all of those are really important topics to think through. Yeah. So if you're speaking to somebody who has, you know, your personal background or uh, professional career path, who is in corporate workplace and maybe trying to figure out next steps, gain support, what are some advice you would give um, on how to grow their career? talk and network as much as you can. I mean, I think that that might seem obvious to folks, but, you know, just leverage LinkedIn, look at networks, look at people and roles that you're interested in, reach out. I think a lot of times you'll find that people really like to help, but they don't know how. So just by reaching out and scheduling a coffee chat, asking questions, don't shy away from joining in communities. Um, I think you might touch this question a little bit later on too, but in terms of like just thinking about what are some of the things that you want to really thrive in your workplace day to day? Like what is your why and what makes you really passionate and motivated? And, you know, as our conversation goes today, I think you could see that really like everything like that's within the DEI world, but everything around employee resource groups, like that's my why. And actually just before I left Gusto, as I've been kind of reflecting, I've been really thinking about the book, um, quiet revolution with with Susan Cain and kind of thinking about introverts versus extroverts. Um, and so at Gusto, I started an introvert community and we had over 70 people join in a day. So I really like to think about the topic of like, what does it mean to be an introverted leader when you're not the one who's like the most vocal in the room, when you're not the person who's act, who's going speaking out all the time? Like, how can you really be an authentic leader as someone who's introverted? Okay. Okay. Well, you saved the best for the last because I did not know that piece. And I think <laughs> that is definitely a topic. Um, I, I think the DEI space and the field is just so hard. And it's also within a, a system that rewards extroversion. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's a system that rewards the confidence, the image of the confident, outgoing leader. Not even in ERG alone, just in the, the corporate structure and how it is. So as somebody who identifies as an introvert, right? Mm-hmm. How, how has that, I mean, because obviously you're very active in the DEI space and ERG, do you think you've gotten better with practice or are there certain tools that you would recommend for introverts who also want to do this work? I think it's around self-awareness and I don't proclaim to have all the answers at all, but I think like over time as I've gotten older and like, become more seasoned leader, I've been more in tune with the fact that I don't feel like I always have to be the outspoken person in the room. I don't always have to be the person who gets my thoughts out. Um, But 
on the other hand, I will say that that does make me more aware as a leader in terms of how I interact with other folks, which is when you're in a team meeting, one of the best practices I've always adhered to is making sure the agenda is you know, shared out in advance so that that way for people who are introverted, they have time to prepare, look at the agenda, think about how they want to contribute in a meeting, because I know that that has helped me tremendously as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's an out, it's an ongoing struggle. I talked about it earlier as well, but we really do have a very monolithic idea of what leadership should look like. And I think it's on all of us to continue to challenge that. You know, I, I tell my husband, I'm like, okay, like you said that I should talk more, but just because someone's talking in the meeting doesn't necessarily mean that they have the best idea. Right. So, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, because that's how we measure it. Right. You talk. Oh, you're pretty quiet. Do you not, you know, have anything to add? Well, I don't have to talk because all, all nine other people in the room are talking over each other, right? Um, that's uh, interesting. So, uh, is there anything else that you would like to uh, share? Just insights, feedback before we go to my final question which is interesting because it's around food. But is there anything else, any insights for my, you know, audience of ERG members, leaders, and maybe executive leaders? Yeah, I, I would say the message to leaders out there is just know that, you know, diversity is very much a journey and not a destination. I think in a DEI role, what I find a lot of our leaders are companies who are just looking for the magic bullet. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, there just isn't. I mean, this is just, you know, one of those things, what we're fighting against is systemic. It's not against a couple of people, but it's a system that we're brought up in. And I think that it's going to take a long time. I think it's always important for people to keep that in mind, because again, I, I always do find that people are always like, okay, so what's, what's the magic, like, what's the, what's the magic solution? And there isn't, I think that's always a good reminder for folks because this is an ongoing journey that all of us are a part of. Absolutely. Um, one of the, the, the articles I've been reading or writing about is about this notion of um, sprints and relays and marathon and in the DEI space, how it's just, you know, people want somebody who will come in and fix my DEI or somebody who will come in and give a training. Um, but even in the DEI space, there's specialty in different niches, right? There are people that focus on certain things. It's your job as a leader to understand that you have a big picture, you know, you have your data. And so at different times, you need to focus on different things, but you have to be clear on your goal and have a plan to continue to move. You can't just bring one person in to give a training or, or do an initiative once a year and think that your DEI is thriving. Yeah, no, I mean, I think we, we talk a lot about this, Augusta, but it's like you can't be performative and just saying the things or checking the boxes, right? It's not a, it's not a box checking exercise. You have to really be truly thoughtful and strategic in how you want to lead your needle. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Yolanda, for coming to chat with me and just all the, the work you've been doing. Um, I, I think very few, um, companies have roles where somebody gets to really work with the ERGs for me. Part of why I focus on ERGs, I mean, I'm a certified diversity professional, but I always say I'm not coming in to fix your DEI. I, I come to work specifically around ERGs, right? Around your communities, whatever name you call them, because some companies call them different names. But 
but that doesn't that doesn't fix your entire DEI, right? Because there's a lot of work. Just starting an ERG is not enough, and then once you start them, what next? How do you support them? So, um, understanding that you've been in a role where you've worked with more than one ERG mm-hmm. a number of times in very large company environments, right? Um, mm-hmm. That takes a lot. So, thank you for the work you've been doing. Um, and thank you for coming on to chat with me today. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. I mean, as I reached out to you on LinkedIn, I was like, you know, I'm in transition right now, but I love this topic. I love chatting about it. It's very much something I, I you know, really want to share my thoughts and perspectives on. So thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And and part of why this is not is not a conversation about any one company. Um, it's not a conversation about where a person works. Is really about the insights that you bring as a person, which you would take with you to whatever the next the next role you're going to. Because I'm, I I can't wait to hear all about that. Um, very soon, I, I know you will carry this passion and this work uh, forward wherever you go. And so, before I let you go, I'm going to ask about a food question. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just because I like to live through everyone else. So, if you were to share a meal, a snack, something. From your culture, your background, uh, with your coworkers, what would it be and why? Okay, so I thought about this, and I'm such a foodie, so I had a really hard time coming up with one answer. I'll take two. I, I, <laughs> I, I will go to a, a, a hot pot. So a hot pot is a very communal eating experience. If you're not familiar, it's like a broth you have. You kind of have this pot of broth that everyone shares. And you cook different things like Napa cabbage and tofu and noki mushroom and different, you dip in like different kinds of meats and seafood mm-hmm. and so forth. And you eat all like out of, around the table and everyone kind of eats and cooks and eats together. Um, people do that a lot for like Lunar New Year. It's kind of like a way to get together with your family. But I love that idea of like communal eating. All that to say, though, I will also laugh and just say, like, probably not the most COVID-friendly eating, but hey, it's always good. <laughs> hey, it's a hot broth. It kills everything. Kills all yeah, the germs. Yeah, we'll, we'll just say that and then have some beer with it, and that will help. <laughs> and that makes it worth it, okay? I- I'll take that. <laughs> Thank you so much, Yolanda. It was it was so nice chatting with you, and um, I'm looking forward to hearing about your next role and, and the impact you're, you're, you're going to be making. Appreciate it. Thank you, Lila. Thanks so much for having me again. Thank you for joining me, Lola Adeyemo, for these important conversations about the global world of work. Please rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcast. And don't forget to share our weekly episodes with your communities and co-workers. For more resources and upcoming events, visit our website www.thrivinginintersectionality.com and join our LinkedIn group, Thriving in Intersectionality. Additional links and resources are listed in the show notes of this episode. Thank you.